Today, I believe, is a defining moment on our journey as a church together. Today is a day that I think we'll look back on, you know, next year, 10 years from now, as just this turning point between what we have been and what we are becoming. Today, you see a big zero behind me. And it's not because I think I'm a zero or you're a zero. It's relaunch day. And it's, you know, when you, if you've ever seen anything get to a countdown and it gets to zero, and zero is when the ignition switch turns on, flips, and the thing starts to take off. And today, as you walked in, you may have just noticed, like, where's all the, like, familiar stuff? The, the mural on the wall is gone. Some of the, if you drove in and you noticed, some of the signs are just taken. It's just, everything's just flat. And I, it's, it's on purpose that we did this today. The usual countdown was just numbers. And I asked the team, I said, I want everything to just feel like a blank canvas today, a blank slate, a canvas that's waiting for us to paint on it with our dreams, our ideas, our collective thoughts. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a groundwork type of a Sunday. Sometimes you have to start with a fresh, clean slate before you can get into something new. And the same thing is true with your life. We've been talking about revision and each week I've been saying things like, hey, just declutter something in your home. Maybe you need to reevaluate your relationships. And sometimes just you got to clean things out before you can move into something new. And so today it's not just an aesthetic choice. It's a purposeful thing that when you walked in here, just everything kind of feels less because we want to just clean things out before we just bring things to a new place. Today is way more, I want you to know this, it's way more than just about a name change. This is about unveiling a new identity, a new purpose, a new who, here's who we want to be. It's about rediscovering who we are called to be in our divine relationship as a church with God. And before I kind of jump into what I see as our future, what I see as your future as a part of being here, there's a lot of work that goes into thinking stuff and changing things. And a lot of the stuff, like I said, we've changed behind the scenes that you've never, you won't see. Things like changing the way our budget works and our, our bylaws and our structure and our governmental stuff that we've been working on and changing. Things like we repainted this whole entire church. You may not notice it because it was like 50 shades of gray, which is a weird thing to say. Um, <laughs> And you're like, it still looks great. It's all the same one this time. Okay, there's a couple shades, but it's pretty much. So that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to rethink some of the values and, and redesigning things that you'll start seeing next week. All new designs all over the place. That takes a lot of time and effort. A lot of prayer and dedication goes into making sure that we're leading well. And so before we even jump into anything, I got to just honor some folks. Because they've put a lot of time, energy, and effort into this. I don't want to take a, a moment to honor some people. And the first one I need to honor, I need to honor my partner in life. Yeah. My companion. She's my best friend. She's the hardest worker. I, if you get around her, she will outwork you, I promise. She's the hardest worker I know. My wife, Melanie, is amazing. And so I love her more than anything. She takes every stupid step of faith that I take. She's like, I'll go there with you, whatever. If you say so, let's do it. And I just, I have to honor her. I have to honor our team and our staff have put in countless hours here. And and with that, just all of our leadership, we've got a a great group of trustees that hold us accountable with our budget and working on things. So I got to honor them. 
I want to honor all of you that serve here faithfully on our teams. Okay, all of you guys that serve here faithfully on our teams. We've got people that are serving with our kids, parking lots, helping people make sure they're safe. We've got our worship team up here. that lead. These guys put in a lot of time and energy to lead you guys in worship. They need more of y'all, actually. In like two weeks, they're having worship team auditions. You should be here. If you can anyway, even sing or play an instrument, show up, and Alex will tell you either, yeah, come on the team, or man, you ain't got it. But either way, <laughs> be here. <laughs> Alex is clapping for that one. But I want to thank all of our team. In fact, tonight, team, we have a, a, a rally, a gathering just for our team. I'm going to share some extra heart. Um, so if you've ever, if you're a part of the team, maybe you're even just interested in what it looks like to serve here. Maybe you've led a small group. Be here tonight. We're going to have some fun. I'm going to share some um, future vision more than even today. But I also want to just thank everyone who gives here faithfully and generously, all of our financial supporters. Your generosity, I've said this before, is going to set the pace for what we do in ministry. And a, a little bit later, I want to share something that your generosity is allowing us to do. It's an incredible thing that we're going to be able to do because of your faithfulness. So keep it up. Keep being a generous church. And then I think we have to do this before we move forward. I want to take a moment to thank all of the former leaders who have been here in this place that maybe they no longer call this place home, but there have been former staff people here. There have been former pastors here. There have been former volunteers here that they laid the groundwork and the foundation for everything that we're going to be building on. They paved the way, and they may not call this place home anymore, but it's on that that we are able to go into something new. And so we want to thank them. Now, since you have your Bibles with me, turn to Acts chapter 2. Let me pray real quick before we jump in. God, what a, a blessing and an honor to, to be able to honor all of those who have worked hard and paved the way for what we're going into as a new season, God, but most Importantly, we want to glorify and honor you with everything that we do. God, I pray today that as we go to, to your word, God, as I share just some of my heart, God, that you would speak clearly and loud. God, we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So here's the thing. That to really understand where I want us to go as a church, we've got to look at the foundations of what the church is. The foundations of the, the early church, the foundations of our faith, the DNA of this movement that Jesus left behind that is still continued today began with just a collective group of people that began to call themselves the church. And so today, as we go into an exciting new chapter, we got to take a moment to just really go all the way back to how did this thing start? What were some of the, the characteristics of that early church? So in Acts 2, we're going to see some of their heart, the passion, the vision of this movement that we're still a part of. Jesus left behind. And he, he, when he, he, he died on the cross for all of our sins. All of us guys are sinners in need of a savior. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But then he showed, I'm stronger and I'm better than sin, death, any of that. They put him in a tomb, couldn't keep him there because he is God. He rose to show us that we have victory over all of that. He showed himself to hundreds of people, and then he went to heaven where he intercedes for us on our behalf. He sent his spirit, and then he empowered a group of people called the church, and he said, you are now my tool to impact the world. And he left us, 
as his remnant, his people, to go and to make an impact on the world. And in Acts 2, we see what this early church was doing. So we're going to be verses 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who needed. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to just show you some things. There's five things real quick that I want to go through that we see in this early church. They were dedicated and disciplined. Verse 42, it says they they were committed to the apostles' teaching. So they they were dedicated and disciplined to hear teaching. They were dedicated and disciplined to fellowship together. And not just, hey, how are you doing? A simple handshake, but like to get into each other's lives. They broke bread, which means they they remembered the sacrifice of Jesus, but they also spent time together around meals. And one of the things, just as a side note, future church-wise, we're going to always, every week, be offering communion. You don't have to take it. There'll be times when we all take it together, but every week, that's why we haven't, we've kept that place clear over there because we're going to have communion over there every single week if you want to come and take it because we want to be doing some of these things the early church does. They devoted themselves to prayer. They didn't just throw up prayers. They were devoted and disciplined people of prayer. Verse 43, it says, they saw miracles and wonders. When was the last time we saw miracles and wonders, guys? I think we should still be anticipating that God does miracles and wonders. I'll tell you, anytime, anytime somebody gives their life to Christ, that is a miracle and that's a wonder. And that has happened multiple times here recently. And we're going to just continue to believe that this will be a place where God continues to win people to him. It's not us. It's him winning people. That's a miracle. But also, I believe this will be a place where God does signs and wonders that don't even make sense. And it's just we can only get credit them to God doing miracles and wonders. They were unified and generous. Jesus, one of his final prayers is make them one. And he was talking about us and his church. When we are unified together, it doesn't mean that we're all the same. It means that we are all on the same mission. So I may have disagreements with you about the way that you, you maybe vote or the way you handle money or the way, but when we're all unified that we all love Jesus Man, we can make some incredible differences. And they were generous. They cared for each other. They sold their possessions if that's what it took to care for each other. They believed in the power of what they were doing, and it made an impact. And then they experienced favor and growth. When people looked at them, favor means they looked at them and said, what is this? What is this? When we begin to live in this way where we're unified, we're generous, we're experiencing God, favor means that we have doors open to us that have been closed before because people are like, there's something going on here. We need to partner with what's going on. And then the Lord brought growth. And it says he brought growth by people who were being saved daily. So here's, here's what I want for us as a church. I believe growth from God is way better than growth that I can gain on my, my own. So we can just have, we can do church better than all the other churches. And what happens is we just attract more church people. That's great. There are pe- people that need church. Christians need to go to a church. 
But it's the Lord added to their number daily people being saved. And so I want sinners that need a savior to find a church that they can call home. I don't need to build a bigger fishbowl with more fish coming in it. We need people that are brand new to Christ finding this place and saying, this is where I found Jesus. The Lord added to their number daily, not me, not our flashiness, but Christ. We're going to be dependent on him to add people to this place. I've said it lots of times, cigarette butts and swear words. Those are the type of people that we need here sometimes. We need saints and Christians too that can help discipline and be a part of those lives. But man, we need some cigarette butts and swear words in this place that we're just winning people. And it may make us uncomfortable sometimes like, ooh, that person's here. Praise God. The Lord did that, not me, not you. So one of the first things as we started to think through our church, we said we need to make sure that our values are aligning with what we see in this early church. That our values, the things that we're actually going to be leading from, align with what we see here. So I'm going to get to our, our, our name change and updated mission and vision statements. But first thing that we started with and that we need to talk through is our values. Because values really shape the identity of a church. And so we've got some values that I want to just walk through, and we're going to actually get deep into them over the next few weeks. I'm going to talk through a bunch of them. We're going to preach through them, show how they can impact your life and how they can shape who you are. But our values that we're going to, you'll hear them a lot. You've already started to hear some of these are simply this. Jesus is our message. We preach Jesus. Every week I share the gospel. I mean, I just did it. Scripture is going to be our standard. It means that Scripture is our source. It's going to be the thing that... You know, that standard is the leveling field, the playing field. It's when we come to it. When sometimes I don't like this, well, Scripture says this. This is our standard. Scripture is our standard. Prayer lays our path. You've heard me say that a lot already. Prayer is going to be the thing that leads the path and leads the way. We love where we live. Sometimes we complain about our homes. We complain about our town. We'll love it. And loving it doesn't mean you say, oh, and just... Passively loving. Loving is an action thing where you say, okay, I'm going to do my best to take care of this. I've had to tell our team sometimes because we've got another property that sometimes is hard to love. And I, we've said, nope, we're going to love where we live. And we're just going to do our best to love it and to be there for it. We don't do life alone. Life alone is not a good place to be. That means we don't lead alone. We don't volunteer alone. We shouldn't be in life alone. That's why we invite you guys to serve with each other, to join in groups with each other, to come to church with each other. We all give our best. And the reason I say we give our best is because if we just throw out, we give generously, well, what does that mean exactly? But we all know, you know, if you gave your best. You know, I've got kids and each one of them are different and each one of their best in different areas is different. I know. I know my oldest, school comes easy to her. So her best is different than maybe one of my other kids. And so I know what best is. You know what best is. Are you giving your best with your time? Are you giving your best with your resource and your money? Are you giving your best to God with all of these areas? As a church, we're going to be a church that gives our best. We want to be people who are authentic. One of the things I try to be is not fake. I don't do well with fake. And I've I sense it out pretty quick and I don't, it's just not my thing. So I want to do, we want to be a church that's authentic, that feels real. You know, I had a bunch of people over on our, we had a bunch of young adults over at the house and we were planning on being outside, but it was kind of wet and rainy. And so they were all inside our house 
And our house is not completely ready for people to be in there. But we're like, whatever. Authenticity, come on in. And it was just my favorite thing to see was when I saw people just with their feet up on my couch and like they feel comfortable here. And that's what we want. We want a church where people feel comfortable, where authenticity is our, our place. Next gen is going to be our now. We are going to love our students, our kids, and our young adults. And not at the fault of young, loving the people that are older and wiser and have been ahead. It's that they, we understand we need you guys to understand that these kids and our students are not the church of the future. They're our church today that we need to pour into. And it's, it's one generation handing it off to the next. And that's the church that we want to be. And then gratitude shapes our perspective. We're always going to walk with grateful eyes. On Monday, we have a meeting with our team. And the first thing we do every Monday, what are we grateful for? Gratitude needs to shape our perspective. So those are going to be the values that we lead by. But now I want to just sit back from kind of where we are in Scripture. And I want to share my heart for a few minutes. Can I share my heart with you guys? This is going to be... Alex asked me just a minute ago, and one of the other leaders that prays for me, he said, how are you feeling? I said, you ever like had that dream where you're standing in your underwear like in front of people? <laughs> That's me today. It's one of those vulnerable moments where I'm going to share some things from my heart with y'all. And usually when I'm sharing, I'm just sharing scripture. And if you don't like it, too bad. Like this is what the scripture says. And if you don't like it, I'm just saying what God wants. And today I feel like I'm still sharing what God wants, but it's something that's also very personal. And so it feels vulnerable to me because you may just be like, ugh. And that's a different, if you say ugh to scripture, whatever. If you say ugh to me, that feels, feels weird. So it's a vulnerable place that I'm going to speak from today, but I wanna, I'm going to just share. And I've got some notes because otherwise I'll be all over the place. Um, when I first... When I first started even just showing up around this place, it was about this same time last year um, that I started speaking from time to time. And the first couple times, like, you know, I've preached, but when you're speaking at another church, first off, you don't know the people, so you're a little bit more tentative and cautious. Um, and you start to finally just build some rapport. You get to know what is it that they need to hear. And I spent more time here. And eventually, I became the lead pastor here, and that's a whole other story. I've shared it before. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot that God did to make that happen. But when I first kind of got here, I felt a pull from God like, hey, I want you to change the name of this church. And you see this numerous times in Scripture where God uses a name change to signify a shift, to signify a new purpose. He changed Abram to Abraham, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter. Name changes, again, they coincide a lot of times with a new spiritual direction, a new purpose. And I thought, okay, I get that. New leader, new name. I thought, I'll just put it off for a bit, like maybe the new year. It's a new year, a new name. I talked to a couple of our staff members, and I, they kind of said, man, let's just, what do you think about moving and doing? I was like, okay, well, God, what do you feel? He's like, yeah, okay. So I, I said, let's just, let's not wait. So we started thinking through. We walked through those values, and then we started thinking through, what do you feel like God has for us moving forward? So we started to think through, what do we want the name of this church to be to reflect the identity that God's trying to lead us to and what can really empower our people to go and to move forward? There's a lot that goes into a name. And so we get into this creative meeting. We got a whiteboard, and I said, no name is stupid. 
just start putting them up there. And I said, I don't even care if it's, I'm not, I don't need it to be the super modern or trendy. I don't care. Just start throwing ideas. And at first, the ideas, like everyone's a little tentative because they don't want to say anything. And then they started kind of coming out. And we went through a whole bunch of names. You know, you start with your traditional ones. Um, you know, you like Hope Church. And the, you start with just the, these traditional names. Alex was there. So all of a sudden, we heard this name, The Yard. We're like, <laughs> I'm not, it sounds like, I don't know, that is not happening. <laughs> no, no. Then we, you have like your random adjective and, a, and um, action verb type names. You know, you, you have happy church. No. Um, you have all these things that you just kind of start going through. And then we know a lot of people only go to churches that they are familiar with the denomination. So I know the denomination, so I'm going to go to that church. So he said, well, let's just be all the denominations. So here's an actual name that was on the board. Third Baptist Pentecostal Church of Christ. <laughs> That, yeah. What are you? Everything. All the things. And so we ended, and we ended just, you know, a quick time of prayer, and we didn't really have, you know, that one. I don't know if you've ever, it, for those of you who are parents, and you're trying to name your child, and you're, you kind of, you're thinking through stuff, and you want that one that just, it's, it's significant, hopefully, or, or you just, you, you think through it, you're talking about it with your spouse, and we went to that meeting without just a definitive name, and I was still living in Clarksville, and I remember driving back home, and I go through the notes, and I'm looking through all the things that we had talked about over the last few weeks, and I started just writing and drawing and trying to come up with what I felt like was the right thing, and I felt like I finally had it. And I bring it back to the team. And they get behind. I'm like, here's what the name's going to be. They get behind the name and we, we take off with it. And if you've never been part of having to rename an organization, a business, it's a lot of work. It's a lot that goes into that. And they start and we start creating logos. We start thinking through, well, if you rebrand stuff, you've got to start thinking through what are we calling other things. And we, we're going all in on this thing, moving full force ahead. And then we had a sermon series on prayer. And we had a week focused on prayer. And how many guys know prayer sometimes changes things? And as I spent more time in prayer, I started becoming increasingly uncomfortable and unsettled about the name that we'd been moving forward with for months at that time. And I felt like I had to, I had to say this name to people a couple different times and explain the reasoning. It felt like I was forcing the name into the vision instead of letting the vision lead the name. And then we had a, a Sunday where after church, we opened up this auditorium for 24 hours to just come and pray. And I said, I'll take the, the time when I know nobody's going to be here from like 10 or 11 to like three in the morning. That'll be me and a couple of us. And, and we were here and this front of this stage was filled with prayer cards. And we just prayed over them multiple times. And I'd, I'd been here for a while, and I'd prayed over those cards a bunch. Each one I'd prayed over. And I'd spent time just thanking God. And, you know, at midnight I was singing, and we were having fun. And it was just this, 
this great time. And finally, about two o'clock in the morning, I remember I was standing right over here. And I'd run out of things. I'd said a lot of stuff, and I'd prayed a lot of things. And I'd run out of stuff, and I was just standing there. And I remember God kind of just saying, okay, can I speak now? Like, you've been, you've been talking a lot. It's my turn. And I just stood there in silence. And sometimes God speaks through memories and scriptures and other people. And as I stood there, there were some distant memories that started to come to mind. So when I first started out in ministry about two decades ago now, when I was first starting out, there's something that would randomly happen. And my wife can attest to this. We'd be out in public and people that did not know me at all would randomly come up to me and they would usually start by saying, man, you've got a beautiful family. They would hand me money, which was always great as you're starting off as a minister because you could use that. And then they would usually give me some kind of a some kind of an encouragement or some kind of a something. And they wouldn't know me and they would just, every time, man, you got a beautiful family, they give you the Holy Ghost handshake, that's what we call it. And then they would say, you know, I don't know if you're a Christ follower, but blank. And it would weird my wife out. And it, I told you that then, like, that doesn't happen anymore. Like, God doesn't care about me. It's like, no, that's our job now to go do that for other people. It's like, okay, fine. <laughs> but we had just kind of been starting full, full-time ministry, and we were in Wisconsin. And we were in a smaller town in Wisconsin, and we had driven up to uh, Milwaukee, which is about 30, 40 minutes away from where we lived. And we were at the mall shopping, you know, trying to get some Christmas stuff. And we were at the food court. And I remember I'm standing in line and an older gentleman, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, excuse me. And I was like, hey. And he goes, you have a beautiful family. I'm like, oh, here we go. And he puts some money in my hand. I'm like, thank God it's Christmas time. I can use this. And he says, I don't know if you're a Christ follower or not, but God wants me to tell you something. And sometimes people would say stuff and it was just kind. Like they, I got this like, don't give up. I got that multiple times. So somewhere along the way, I, I probably had a lot of reasons and ideas to give up. And I heard that a lot, just don't give up. But he said something, he said, he said this, he said, God has put a simple message on your heart. Make that simple message your main message. Preach it every time you can preach it. Make it everything you do and never give up. And that was one of those times when I just felt like, okay, that was something I needed to actually pay attention to seriously. And I went back, I'm like, what, is, what was that? And if God's never worked that way in your life, I pray that he brings somebody alongside someday that just says something to you that hits you. And you're like, oh, pray for God to surround you with somebody that does those type of things. But I'm standing there, and that memory hit my mind. And then God began to speak through Scripture to me. He reminded me of some things in Scripture. And this name that we'd been running with, all of a sudden, a brand new name. He gave, and he hit, and he said, this is it. And it was concise, and it was clear. And I wrote it down. And when I wrote it down, I said, that is the stupidest name. That cannot be it. I'm tired. 
It's two o'clock in the morning. All it is is I'm just tired. Like that can't be it. And I wake up the next day and it's still there. And I'm like, I can't shake this. This is not, this just, it's not settling well. And I, so what I did, sometimes if you've ever had a nudge, maybe that you felt, I went to my wife and I went to a couple of our staff members and I said, I feel, what do you guys think about if we change the name and, and, and instead maybe called it this? And I didn't give them the reason behind it. I didn't give them the purpose or vision behind it because what I wanted them to do is to agree with me that that's a dumb name. That's stupid. Let's not do this. Let's go with what we said. And so I didn't give them all the things. I just said, what do you think about this? And they said exactly what I wanted to hear. No, man, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Let's go with the one. And I'm like, okay, good. That's right. You guys are right. Let's keep going where we were going. Now, you've got to remember, this is just a couple weeks ago. This isn't super long. This is three, four weeks ago. I wanted them to agree with me, but I never felt like, I'm like, I, I, I'm kind of not giving them the whole thing. And if you've ever felt a God-sized burden on your heart, if you've ever felt a God-sized pressure on you, it's really hard to shake that. And I kind of felt like God saying, it's not like you're sinning or wrong or I'm not going to bless if you go with this other name. But just, are you going to be obedient because you're saying prayer leads the way and I led you somewhere in prayer and are you actually going to lead that way in your church? And I had a pastor friend, you know, sometimes it's, you have friends who just text and they'll say, hey, how you doing? And he texted me, he said, hey friend, how can I be praying for you? And so I just said, man, hey, be praying for the future of our church. And then he sends this. I had to put it on the screen because it was this Jedi. I'm like, who are you sending me this? He said, the framework for your future is the message you've always had. Like, first off, who talks like that? What daily calendar did you get that from? <laughs> like, you think you're Gandalf? What is this? But it aligned perfectly when God was showing me this past where this guy just said, come up with a message. Never stop saying that message. Make it your one big message. Use it everywhere you have and never give up. And then I get this from a friend. You've always had a message. That's been the framework. Just make that your future. Keep it where you go. Keep it where you're going. And then I did the thing. I'm really struggling. I came to church. I remember that Sunday told Melanie, I'm like, I don't, oh, man, this, I'm so uncomfortable. I preached that Sunday. It was one of those Sundays. Sometimes I get up here and preach and afterwards I'm like, I didn't feel right because honestly, it was still that God burning on me. And I went home and I did the thing. I called mom. And here's why this is the thing. My mom will pay, she will pray the paint off the walls. Like I grew up and gospel music was playing loud, and mom was on her knees, and it was just, that was how it was. And I told y'all, I was crazy. I didn't care. I wanted nothing to do with that, but mom didn't care. She's going to keep praying. And so I knew I need somebody else to just think about this, to pray about this, to help me with this. So I called mom. I said, mom, I'm going to try not to cry. So I need you to pray about something. So I need you to pray about the name of our church. And I remember her just saying, God finally got you. She goes, I was waiting for it. He got you. I was like, oh, dang it. 
That week, I got our team and I put them around the table. And I shared the heart and the vision along with the new name. This time I gave them the name and the heart and the vision behind it. And there was complete agreement. This is the right thing to do. And it's amazing when you finally submit to God how much confidence and clarity you have. When you finally submit to God, you're like, I don't even care if this, this feels like people might think this is a dumb name. I'm confident because it comes from God. And I'm, we, all of a sudden, clarity just boom. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. And again, this was only a couple weeks ago. And all the things that we've been creating and doing. Yeah, Chase. <laughs> Some of the team's like, yeah. And now it's like, start fresh, let's go. And so that's why I had to thank them because it's a big shift and they had to just start anew. But God has always put up my heart to help answer three big questions that all of us struggle with and deal with. It's three of life's biggest questions. It's these questions. Who am I? It's a question of identity. Where do I belong? It's a question of community. And why am I here? It's a question of purpose. And everyone is longing for answers to those. And it depends on where you are and what time of life, but we're all seeking those things, identity, community, and purpose. So almost two decades ago, I came up with just a simple, simple message. And it's a profound truth that I've been able to speak every time I take a stage, whether it's speaking to an eight-year-old or an 80-year-old, I say this same message, God loves you. That's who you are. He has a plan for you. And he's bigger than any need. And I've said that for years. For years I've said that. And I've ran into adults that I taught as children. And one of the first things they'll say to me, hey, God loves you. He has a plan for you. Like, they didn't hear anything else I said, but they heard that message. A couple weeks ago, I ran into one of y'all, because a lot of times I work at I'll work at like Starbucks or Panera trying to write my message and I ran into one of you guys at Panera and we chatted for a minute and then I'm going back to my table and you said, hey, God loves you. And I'm like, okay, God loves you too. Yeah. You know, it's like when somebody says, I love you and you're like, that's weird. I love you too. Sure. He said, God loves you. I'm like, yeah, God loves you too. No, 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 no. No, no, no. What? He has a plan for, oh, okay. Yeah. And he's bigger than we finished the phrase. It's a phrase that we say that closes out every Sunday gathering, and it's built on three foundational verses. And God has spoken through his word, and we will follow. And what we will be called coincides with the message that he gave me nearly 20 years ago, and that I was told to never stop speaking, to never stop saying. And I thank God that for 10 years, this has been relevant church. And under that banner, numerous lives have been changed. People have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ under the banner of relevant church. But for now on, the powerful truth of Scripture will be reflected in our new name. And it's not a name based on denominational affiliation. It's not a trendy word. It's not a random action. It's a name that's built on our values, that Jesus is our message. That scripture is our standard. It's a statement. It's kind of odd, but it's a conversation starter. It's a tool for you being able to share the gospel, to invite people in to discipleship. 
After today, we will never be called Relevant Church again. Allow me to reintroduce ourselves. God loves you. 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. He has a plan for you. Matthew 4.19 says, Come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. He's bigger than any need. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So, from this day forward, we will simply be called this, Church 419. That'll be our name. Is it awkward? A little bit. But here's why. Every time somebody sees those numbers and they say, what is that? It's not just a name. It's an opportunity for you to share the gospel with somebody else. To say it's based off the foundation of Scripture that you are loved, you are called, you are cared for. When they see that, those numbers, it's going to be intriguing to them because they're like, what? why? Well, let me explain to you why. You are loved, you are cared for, you are called. It's a truth built on Scripture. It's not just a name. It's a tool for you guys to use to invite people in. And when people say, what is that? You say, well, that's the name of my church, but also let me tell you why. Let me explain why. It's a calling to do these three things. These three things will be the things that shape the vision of who we want to be as a church. We want to love Christ. We want to live close in community to each other. And we want to live called that we all have a purpose and a part to play in the plan of what God has for us. Whenever our name is spoken, we're going to be reminded that we're not here to play around, guys. We're here to take ground. We're here to advance the kingdom. And we're here to help people fall in love with Jesus Christ. Every week I say, we did church in here. Now go be the church out there. And we've got an opportunity to do that. One of the first things that we're corporately going to do under the banner of Church 419 is on October 28th, we're going to go out to our community and we're going to say, here we are. Here we are as a brand new collective movement impacting our city with just love and kindness. Simply cleaning up the streets, cutting down some trees, painting some walls, just being hands and feet. I would invite you guys all sign up Scan the QR code, serve with us. But as the first act of Church 419, I want to do something else. You know, it takes an investment to, to, to do all, to paint, to do all these things. It takes a financial investment to do that. And I said, how dare us spend money just on ourselves and not think about our community. And I said, how can we be a blessing to our community? So it's the first thing that we do as a church. I came to our team and I said, what, what's some needs? And one of them said, well, Paducah Cooperative Ministries, they could really use like a walk-in freezer. And I said, well, how much does that cost? They said, well, it'd be like $15,000. 
And I said, well, they may not need that, but I bet you they can use the money. So as the very first act of our church, we're writing a check for $15,000 to Paducah Cooperative Ministry. And here's why. We're going to be a church that gives our best. And guess what? Generosity is giving in a way that you feel it because it costs you something. We feel that. It costs us something. But so what? We depend on a God who has an endless supply of resources. So we're going to be remembered. This is my goal and this is my heart for us as a church. That until Jesus rules this town, 419 will unleash the love of Christ in our community. Until Jesus rules this town, we're going to release out there loving people.